Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Well, uh, good after, good evening to everybody. Hope everybody's having a wonderful day. I'm Rob Starr along with Mr. Chris Davies, and we are the hosts of the Water Zone. And uh, Chris, you're out in California, so how's things today out there? Great to be on the Water Zone again, Rob, and it's fantastic, beautiful day. But I am so glad we're going to talk to Chris Austin, Maven no- Maven's Notebook, in just a minute because I am so interested in learning about what all this bomb cyclones are about and this atmospheric rivers with Genesis type uh, you know storms coming our way. So can't wait. It's supposed to be nasty, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. And uh, again, we want to congratulate Miss Chris Austin before we bring her on the show for being inducted. She'll be, she will be indoctrinated, inducted. <laughs> I, I think indoctrinated <laughs> is a good word too. <laughs> Into the uh, uh, Green Industry Hall of Fame, and that will now make Chris Davies, Miss Chris Austin, Miss Kathy Kellogg, and myself are all part of that membership in that uh, wonderful organization. We appreciate and, and that. Let, and let's not forget Mr. Mike Barron. Oh yeah, yeah, and Mike Barron too, that's right. We gotta get a we gotta get a webpage with everybody's uh, picture on it so we can do that. I'm very proud to work with everybody like you guys. You are you are an awesome team. You make the show what it is. Uh, and we'll try to make it better. <laughs> Holy kidding. Holy kidding. You guys are super that's seriously that's what makes this good. And, uh, you know, last time I, I mentioned the story that uh, we co- sort of lost our award we got from the EPA, and <laughs> we, we, found, we found it, and they're supposed to ship it to us, but it's been two weeks, and we haven't got it yet. I don't know. It's coming from Ve- uh, from, from Vegas to to Riverside. I don't know what happened to it. You think they, got, a, think, they, think they sold it or hocked it? It's a mysterious thing, Rob, where, you know, I'm starting to look on, like, uh you know, all the selling sites right now, right? Offer up and stuff like that. See if, see if I can find anything. But I'm going to give it to tomorrow on Friday. So if our uh, if our receiving department in Toro doesn't find it by then, then uh, then we can start uh, raising the flag a bit. Yeah, maybe we can put a reward out for it. Sure. It's worth it. We can do that. I, I don't understand. The box is simple. It's one, one package and coming direct. So I don't know. I don't know why anybody would want to steal it. I don't, I don't know either, but after the 1,846.2 phone calls we made to find it, <laughs> we worked hard to get it, so let's get it yeah. back. Well, let's bring on our wonderful lady who is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook and the happy typist. She types, I, I see this little figure that must be here on her on the, on the website, just typing away. Yeah, I love that. But she is the purveyor of Maven's Notebook, and it's a great, uh, great way to get your daily California water news, so Miss... Chris, welcome to the Water Zone. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Hi, Chris. Hey. You're, you know, your award is on the slow-moving turtles that are marching across the desert. We said that. Oh, I it's hope they did. Coming by Boro. I mean, it's simple. That's, that's how a lot of males, you know, like, like if you have a check, you really need to get somewhere, and so you put it in the mail, and it's the turtles, you know, yeah. so... Well, I, I hope they didn't ship it from Vegas to California by boat because there's like a hundred and what fifty 
ships out in the, in the harbor waiting to get in and get unloaded. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's going to be crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Crazy yeah. times. Uh, talk about crazy times and, and crazy weather for California. But, boy, with this drought and all these dry conditions, well, we're happy to have the moisture, but uh, we're we're all crossing our fingers that, you know, the opposite end of droughts is floods. And yeah. California has amazing variability of prediction of, of precipitation, uh, more so than anyone in uh, any other state in the nation. And you know, here we go. We're we're about to uh, we're about to find out how how variable it is because uh, there are a number of storms that are lined up and coming into Northern California. My understanding is not going to affect Southern California a whole lot, but it certainly is up here in Northern California. Uh, and they even call this storm that's coming in uh, meant to start hitting the coastline at some point tonight. They call it a, a bomb cyclone, uh, which is a, like a really dramatic term. But Basically, there is this atmospheric river that is headed from the tropics, pointed at California. And an atmospheric river is just like a stream of, of water vapor through the air that just gets funneled at California. Uh, many years ago, we used to call this a pineapple express. They're generally warm storms because they're fed from the tropics, but they can be colder storms at times, too. Um, and they just funnel a tremendous amount of precipitation uh, at California. And uh, in in good years, we get a whole lot of precipitation, and it isn't too bad, but we can also get uh, storms that overwhelm our flood control systems in the state. So that's always a risk. So what we have, we have this atmospheric river coming across the the Pacific Ocean, aimed at the United, at the California uh, coastline, and there it there's another storm that it, it kind of can sync up with, can can connect with, and then what happens is the pressure drops. It's a very severe pressure drop, and the winds that get generated by that are are similar to that of a hurricane. So you get this drop in pressure and the winds rush in to fill that and it becomes, you know, a very intense storm with very intense uh, winds and this rivals hurricanes. Uh, this is the uh, West Coast version of a hurricane. So it's, you know, it's concerning. We certainly want the precipitation, but uh, if we get too much precipitation, then uh, there could be some damages. So, uh, what, would you and, what, would you, what would you estimate, if you could, or if you know, the amount of water that we would be able to capture of, of, of all of these things? Like, is it 50%, 20%, You know, it's just a handful of the big storms in any season that really make or break the water supply for California. And it's hard to estimate what that would be. Part of the problem is that the watershed itself is so dry as this rain falls onto the landscape, it's the vegetation and the soils are going to suck up 
a portion of that. Right. Um, but you get too much, then of course it runs off, and it's and it's a big thing. The the good thing about this is it's probably going to like uh, kill the act any active wildfires going on, <laughs> you know, because it's going to be a tremendous amount of precipitation. But it's also a concern now for where the fires have been and the burn scars and debris. Well, yeah, flows. like the Calder isn't a Calder fire uh, in a, in a place that if it rains, it's going to create massive floods yeah i mean we're talking debris flows and the big concern in the caldor fire is you know the impact that it's going to have on lake tahoe you know lake tahoe has been famous for its blue waters and its clear you know the clear waters how you can see so far down into the lake you know just amazing but what's going to happen and it's it's really hard to prevent is that now we have this burned vegetation, so a lot of soil, a lot of sediment, and, you know, we've had homes that are burnt up in the watershed. And, you know, you see a home, a fire comes through, the home is not there anymore, but but all the stuff that was in the home, I mean, it, while it's been incinerated, all those things that were in the home, they're still, they, they all went somewhere, okay? Nothing just, like, you know, disappears. So things have gone up in the air, in the atmosphere, you know, and there's also things that are on the ground, things that will get picked up as water runs off the landscape. And, and this is, we're talking contaminants and all sorts of chemicals, plus just dirt from, you know, burnt vegetation that can't hold it on the, the hillside. So it's a real concern for Lake Tahoe because uh, there's just so many streams that feed into it. And, you know, while I know everyone is doing the best they can, and we certainly hope that they can accomplish great things, it's a tremendous task. And I don't know how they're going to prevent it. So we'll, you know, it's, Hopefully, come next summer, we'll we'll still have a blue, clear water Lake Tahoe, but it that could be possibly asking a lot. Yeah, and I hate Always. to say that, you know, I hate to be well, pessimistic, but you know. Well, you know, I I know Newsom made an announcement that California is missing its water conservation mark, and he's going to expand the drought emergency statewide, even with. The rains that are coming, I guess. I guess he has to wait till they come and see what the results are from that. Or do you think he'll just keep it going uh, for the drought well, emergency? You know, there's there's no question that these storms coming in, they are not going to fill our reservoirs. They'll they will help. They'll put hopefully they'll put some more water in our reservoirs, but our reservoirs are severely depleted. And uh, it's going to take more than, uh, you know, one whole bunch of series of storm systems uh, to make up for that. So, yeah, we're still having a drought, and we still need to conserve. Uh, You know, Newsom has left out the uh, major metropolitan areas previously in his drought proclamation. So now he has added on... uh, you know, the Bay Area in Southern California into this drought proclamation. Uh, But, you know, 
I think that the message to conserve water hasn't really been uh, sold much in Southern California. And in San Diego, they even, you know, San Diego Water County, San Diego County Water Authority uh, said in an article they they've done their water projections and they believe they have water for everybody out to 2045. So, you know, if you're in San Diego and your water supplier is like, hey, we got water, to, you know, for the next 25 years, you know, and you hear drought, drought, you know, <laughs> how much do you listen? It's a, it's a bit of a conflicting message. I think in yeah. terms of Southern California, uh, they just really haven't gotten on the wagon uh in the beginning of this drought, they just didn't really say anything because, you know, Southern California has uh metropolitan water district has uh, water supplies and storage. And so they're not quite feeling the pinch that the people in Northern California are because they don't necessarily have storage other than that reservoir up the road that's, you know, all dry. So isn't, isn't, isn't the state still making, the water agencies and, and, and the constituents that they have to cut back even even if they've already done? I mean, uh, a lot of the water agencies from the last time, you know, they reduced water 20, 25% plus, and that was a big deal, and they did they did a great job. But how much can you keep doing this except just turn the water off completely to save? Well, I mean, you know, the thing is that after the last drought, it, everything sort of relaxed. And so, you know, water use uh, kind of, rebounded a bit it it was it you know every drought we get a little bit better and it, and it comes back and it, but it doesn't seem to come back quite as much the water use but um you know the it's a request for 15 percent reduction there there aren't any mandatory uh reductions in place at this time uh so you know it's he's basically all he's basically said is, you know, please conserve water. Uh, and in some areas, uh, it's I mean, it's it's been really challenging. And I don't think the public is has picked up on it as much as they did perhaps in the last drought. And the Bay Area is in some very serious situation, especially in San Jose, because one of their main reservoirs. Uh, for you know that they had there in the Bay Area, Anderson Reservoir had some issues, uh, some seismic issues. So they had they had to go in and they had to fix this reservoir. So they had to drain it, and unfortunately, they had to drain it last year. So <laughs> coming into this year, you know, it has no water. It was a major source of storage for the Bay Area, but they have to fix the dam. You know, they have to make it, I mean, we're talking the Bay Area, right? And this is, right. you know, seismic is a is a big issue. And, yeah, it's an inconvenient time that it's had to be done. But, you know, if the reservoir were to fail and, you know, hundreds of people were to get killed by that, that would, you know, that would be unacceptable. So, you know, they had, they had to go on and they had to do this project. But it means that, you know, going into this drought, they're in a very precarious situation, and they have really been trying to get their residents to conserve, but I don't think the message is really 
we see a lot of water agencies talking about this, and and you know they they, they don't want to be harsh to their customers, but you know they they keep getting these messages from Sacramento and, and wondering really where they got to go. I, I'm sure a lot of the water well, I know a lot of water agencies uh, like Riverside Public Utilities and, and things like that. They they have a collection of water stowed away, and um, you know I know they got they they filed a lawsuit last time, and then then it got dropped. Uh, later on, but you know, a lot of water agencies are, are just saying, "Hey, we with, this is just a cycle, and we can't keep telling our customers to cut back so much, so much, so much." And and like you said, after you hear it for a while, uh, nobody wants to listen to it anymore. It's the sad part. Yeah, yeah, it's a cry yeah. wolf kind of scenario, Rob. Right? I mean, with everybody saying every year, "Well, fifteen percent cut back next year, fifteen percent following year, fifteen percent." The aggregate of that, right? I mean, pretty soon, right? We're going to be using wet wipes for for everything. Um, well, that's why Chris, I turn the water off. Yeah, 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 turn it off. So, uh, Chris, I, I take your point, really. Yeah, it's, um, you know, and I also think the, the pandemic and everything that people have to worry about with the pandemic, I think, you know, the human capacity to deal with, you know, crises and, and, and things that, make you have to change how you deal with things through daily life. I mean, it's a it's a really, really tough time. Um, yeah. You know, now the flip side of that is, uh, you know, I have never seen these reservoirs at such low levels. And um, there's a number of them, you know, like they're not producing power at Lake Oroville because it's never been this low. So, you know, this is a this is a really serious situation. I think at this point it's even more serious than it was back in the 2014-2015 drought. Um, but with so much going on with, you know, vaccines and, and coronavirus and, and all this, the uh, public attention is uh, it's hard to get it. Um, but it's this elsewhere, is, yeah. unfortunately, this is a more serious situation than what we were facing, you know, back uh, just a few years ago. Yeah. And, you know, we're feeling it out here in Arizona and, you know, there and other surrounding uh, uh, places, you know, Gallup, New Mexico and go down the list. I mean, it's, we're not we're not the only ones in this in this uh, position. But, <clears throat> you know, they talk about infrastructure. I, I'd like to see more. I always been a, a supporter of the, the water train guy who bought that company or started that company, and I, I you know I, I know we don't have a gas pipeline anymore, but I don't know why we can't have a water pipeline coming from east to west or mid, mid, midwest uh, to here. Uh, got, I'm, I'm sure if people put their heads together, they can come up with some solutions and do the right thing. Because otherwise, we're just spinning our wheels year after year, doing going over the same. Since I got in this industry, I hear the same story year after year after year. It's like, well, when are they going to fix it? <laughs> when's it? When's it really going to happen? And uh, you know that with with some of the, you know, like with 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 the uh, diesel plants in Carlsbad, seventeen years from concept to fit to turn on. I mean, that's that's a really long time. <laughs> you know, I, I think things got things got to change, and and you know, a whole way of new thinking about it because more people are coming into this world, more people are coming into the United States. We need and and you know, manufacturing. Healthcare, farming—you know what? What do we do for farming industry, especially in California? 
they stopped. There was one state senator. I, I, I don't want to mention his name right now, but but he wanted to do away with all of farming in California, which I thought was pretty sad. But well, uh, yeah, and not and not going to happen. Right. Uh, but but, but he yeah, stirs, it, stirs the pot. He stirs the pot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know, California, for better for worse, we're a major supplier of uh, food to the nation and to the world. And if you just stop that, there would be consequences. There would be big consequences. So, I mean, you know, what what can you say? But, you know, there was a story out um, also in the last week that, you know, that talked about the fact that, especially in terms of Southern California, the solutions to the water uh, crisis that we face, you know, increased conservation and water recycling and desalination, if that's the case, you know, they, these come with price tags. Yep. And the, the rate payers are the ones that are, that are in the long run are going to have to pay for this. So when you're talking about building a desalination plant, you're talking about, you know, rate payers having their water bills going up, which yep. is not, it's not a popular thing. Now, I will tell you that, unfortunately, in at least in Southern California, the ratepayers have never had to pay the, the true cost of getting that water delivered to them. You know, the, the, there are impacts from, to the places, all, these, all this habitat restoration impacts to the fisheries are, you know, are in part because we've diverted all this water from the streams and, and the rivers, and, and some of that water comes to Southern California. So, But the rate payers aren't the ones that pay for all of that. And so, you know, we, we're, we're already at this kind of artificially low rate paying thing, and then when you start lumping in desalination and recycled water, uh, this is only going to raise the price of water, and that will affect everybody from, you know, the very poor to the very rich. Um, it, it's and, just, and, you got the, and you got the pipes in the ground that are 100 years old that need to be replaced. Yeah, and somebody's got to pay for that, yeah. you know, and, and unfortunately um, that's going to be the rate payers, uh, and, and, and it's really hard to get around that. Yeah, uh, exactly right. Hey, um, there was there were some things about the Delta Water Master talking about some uh, complaint alleging uh, unlawful diversion in the Delta, which which is going to trigger an investigation. And like I brought up a couple of weeks ago, you know about all the illegal cannabis operations that are are diverting water from different places. And I wish they you know if that's really that serious. They said there was in that one county up north there was just they said there was two thousand illegal growing operations. That yeah, was they, they- they have been cracking down, and they've been trying to, you know, they've been trying to get those uh, illegal cannabis grows out of the, uh, off the public land. The issue in the Delta is a little bit different. Um, you know, basically, they have flow meters around the Delta, so they kind of know something. So they know how much water comes into the Delta, how much water goes out the delta to the bay, how much gets exported, how much is, you know, 
they think they know how much is supposed to be being used in the Delta from the farms that are inside the Delta. So there's sort of this equation. So some water exporters looked at this equation and they said, you know, this is just not balancing out. And so they alleged that they're, you know, because the numbers are so off, there must be someone or some entities in the Delta that are, um, that are diverting water illegally. Um, And I mean, it's an interesting premise. It's like if, you know, it's, but it's this mass balance and those numbers are really mushy. And, you know, there's so many things in the Delta that we haven't really figured out um, what it means. And so we tend to ignore them. And one of those is this uh, invasive aquatic vegetation vegetation, especially uh, water hyacinths. You might have a little water pool at home and you might, you know, put water hyacinths in there. It's really pretty. It flowers. Uh, But it's gotten into the delta and it fills up water channels. Uh, So much so that it's impossible for even, you know, the cargo ships that go into the port of Stockton it shows up on their sensors as landmass, right? So it's a tremendous buildup in these water channels. And if you think about water hyacinth, it's a very spongy plant. It soaks up a lot of water. It transpires a lot of water. We haven't got a handle on how much that is. And that's part of the equation that these people are looking at. Um, and saying it's off. So, I mean, there's going to be a number of, as they go through this investigation, there's going to be just a number of gaps in what we know that I think are are just going to show up. You know, um, so many things we haven't even considered in terms of science, you know. I know. Lots happening. Well, Chris, we're up against our commercial time, and we do appreciate you coming on the show, as you do all the time. And uh, I, I want to remind the listeners, please go to www.mavensnotebook.com, become a subscriber, become a sponsor, and you get water news every single day on your PC. It's the best, fastest way and the most accurate way to get information about what's going on with water. So, Chris, thank you very much. And again, congratulations for going, going to be an inductee into the Green Industry Hall of Fame. We, we, uh, we're very excited about that. And Again, everybody on our show is all a member, and even, as, as Chris pointed out, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mike Barron, Mike who... Uh, Mike Barron, sorry. I said Chris Barron, sorry. <laughs> I didn't see your brother. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, you know, he was, he was the, the original one with me starting it, but uh, uh, all of us, uh, all of you guys have done a great job in helping the show go good, and uh, hopefully we'll take this forward as we get into taking it national. So thank you, Chris, very much. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. You have a good uh, good week, and you be safe. Yes. Good evening, everyone. Congrats, Chris. All right, we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with our uh, featured uh, guest coming up. And uh, this person is all the way from the town of Gilbert, Arizona. So stand by. We'll be right back right after our commercial break. This is 1050 AM KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. 
Are you presently part of the irrigation industry as a worker or business owner? Do you want to learn how you and your staff can boost your knowledge and productivity? Then you should check out Irrigator Technical Training School. Irrigator Tech is the leading source of quality instruction serving all facets of the irrigation industry. Their courses provide a basic, easy to understand approach that raises the skill level, competency, and professionalism of landscape and irrigation personnel through practical education and services. Irrigator Tech combines classroom and real life hands-on training leading to a well-recognized certification that both customers and employers demand. Irrigator Tech specialized courses can help you quickly become a certified irrigation auditor or a certified installer, repair, maintenance, or backflow technician. Courses also include certificates in smart water application or becoming a certified tree worker. Most importantly, all certifications are state recognized and Irrigator Tech offers annual renewal classes to help keep your certification up to date. So whether you work in California, Washington, Oregon, Nevada, or Arizona, there's an Irrigator Tech class near you. For more information on how to jumpstart your career, call Irrigator Tech toll-free 866-614-1755 or visit them on the web at irrigatortech.com. That's toll-free 866-614-1755 and on the web at irrigatortech.com. Here, fishy, fishy, fishy. Angling for new business, here's a tip. Give your customers a call or a visit after a heavy rainstorm. Find out if any puddles collected on their property and lasted for longer than 24 hours. If so, time for a drainage solution. Unless soggy turf and mosquitoes are their idea of fun. <laughs> Depending how fishy the situation is, your recommendation could include grates and catch basins connected to a drainage pipe to move water away from the problem area to a safe discharge location. If water can't be moved off site, a dry well is another great option for collecting runoff and preventing ponding. So, next time it rains, drop your customers a line. Put together a plan to solve their drainage problems and they will be hooked. Whoa, that is a big one. Quick, take my picture, take my picture. K-C-A-A. Well, welcome back to the second half of the Water Zone Show. We're going to make that subscribe to information here. I'm looking at Chris on the video screen to make sure we're hooked up that way. And uh, we got our featured guest coming. And uh, I'd like to bring this person on. Uh, her name is Heather Turrentine, and she's in the town of Gilbert, Arizona. She's the Water Resources and Conservation Coordinator for the town of Gilbert. So, uh, Heather, welcome to the Water Zone. Hi, thanks for having me. Can you hear me Good. okay? We can hear you perfect. We can hear you perfect. Okay. So we, we, we always like to start off the conversation because I know we got, we, we're going to talk about some nice big award that you guys got, but we want to we want to know you, and uh, we want to uh, start off the conversation. I don't know if you have a radio on in the background. If you do, we're getting a little feedback. You can turn that down. Uh, and uh, this will go to a podcast tomorrow, so you can download download that all you want. Uh, but to start off the conversation, could you tell our listeners how you got interested in the water industry? Of all the things you could do in your life, how did you get to where you are now? Yeah. Well, you know, I've always had a passion for taking care of things from people to pets 
to the environment. And when I went off to graduate school, I knew I wanted to do something that helped protect the environment, but I didn't really know where to start because that's such a big umbrella. Um, and I started looking back and, and thinking about topics that I had chosen on, uh, you know, past uh, uh, projects. And I realized that I was always choosing water topics. So I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll just go that direction. And I realized, you know, I've always been drawn to water. It's something that it's so easy to see its importance, but it's also really easy to overlook its value. Um, so it's just a beautiful natural resource, and I feel really honored to work in a field of water conservation where I get to promote its stewardship. Oh, so you, from a young age, you had this really big thirst to be in the water industry, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could say that. We'll keep we'll keep our day jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great, great. How long have you been doing this, Heather? Is this, is this uh, yeah, is this, uh, is this career a uh, five-year career, 10-year career? How long, you, how long have you been in it? Um, well, I've been with the town of Gilbert for about three and a half years, but I've been working in water um, professionally for over five and then um, academically for much longer. That's great. I'll tell you, it's, a, <clears throat> it's very interesting to find out from people just, you know, how they got their start in the business and there's always a story behind the story as uh, as rob and i have found out many many times and and often it's those things that that uh that happen to us in the back of our head and guide us to things like you know boy, I'm, i always seem to be picking topics about water right so uh, mm-hmm. it's just well, i think i think if it, that, i think if it wasn't for that prison rehab program we went through it's <laughs> just kidding oh rob i'm trying to get a you. smile out of chris here on the video <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead, Chris. I'll let you start uh, the next question. Yeah, so we, we uh, Rob and I have an advantage because uh, we're we're on a video link with the with with the studio. But um, Heather, let me ask you this question because um, you know Rob Rob got to ask you a question about you know the, the personal part and how you got involved. But I'm gonna I'm gonna get straight to the <laughs> straight to the point and the reason um, why you're so gracious to come on the Water Zone uh, tonight on our show, Heather, and that's to ask because uh, all of us know that the Irrigation Association has just named the town of Gilbert, where, where, where you're at, as Rob introduced you, as recipient of the SWAT 2021 Outstanding Industry Partnership Award, right? And it's for uh, the town of Gilbert's landscape water budget program. So maybe you can tell our listeners, kind of give us, you know, the the behind the scenes and, and what was what was the, uh, what is that program about? What was the reason for launching the program? And is it a new program? How it's going? Kind of give us the summary of uh, uh, of that program. Yeah. Well, we know that our customers want attractive landscapes, and we know that they also don't actively want to waste water. So we were looking for a way to help them achieve this goal. And with large landscapes, we know that there's often a lot of potential for water efficiency improvement, um, usually just within that watering schedule. Um, but often people don't have all of the knowledge and data that they need Um, to make adjustments there. So the goal of this program was to reduce excess irrigation while helping people sustain healthy landscapes. Um, And so this program gives uh, our stakeholders the knowledge by creating these custom water budgets for the stakeholders, as well as giving them the data. Um, We'll display the actual water use against the budgeted water use for a landscape. So whenever a site um, starts up in the program, uh, a water conservation specialist from the town will sit down with the key stakeholders at that site, and we go over the landscape water use and any opportunities that they might have for efficiency improvement. 
We'll even walk um, their landscape with them if that's uh, applicable. So really what we want out of this program is for everyone to have the knowledge and data that they need so that they can use water wisely. Um, and this program is really neat because when we, can, when we know how much water that we should apply, anomalies stand out pretty quickly. And that helps our team um, be able to investigate. So it's really amazing. Um, one of our water conservation specialists can look at uh, patterns of water use and tell us something um, indicative of uh, inefficient um, technology or if something's broken or if there's a leaking system. And then from there, um, you can make practical changes that save water almost immediately. So when, you, when, you, when they go to the homeowners or the properties, um, what is what are the par- parts that make up the uh, the budget? Is it how many people live in the house? Do they have any pets? Uh, what kind of appliances? I, I mean, because I, 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 I guess I just added to this question here: is 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 the town of Gilbert use two meters, one for irrigation and one for the house, or do they just have a single meter that reads everything? Yeah, so this program is working with um, non-single family residential. Uh, partners, so you know HOAs, uh, businesses, institutions, um, oh, okay. industry, and this program just targets landscape water use. Um, okay. So often, um, when a site has a large landscape, they they typically have their own dedicated meter for that, and so we can look at that water use, and then we can look at um, the site specific details. So you know how much turf there is, um, high water use plants, low water use plants get the total square footage of that, consider density, um, and then build them a custom water budget. Oh, that sounds good because seem, it seems like you attack the big, the big guys who use it a lot. The, the partners, aside from the, uh, the companies and HOAs you went to, was there anybody else who helped with this, uh, getting, getting it out? I mean, I'm sure you did a lot of education. We'll get to that later. But um, the, is the partners basically like the HOA managers or do they have separate – I know where I live, they have an HOA and they have a, a separate water management company who oversees the landscaping people. And they said all the things. So when, when, when we talk about partners that you have, is that, is that just the, the initial HOAs and companies and parks and things like that? Is, that? is that what it means by the partners? Just so I'm clear on that. Yeah. So our, our partners that we work with here, they're just as you described, the HOAs, businesses, um, institutions, industry, we work with schools. Um, we work with our own sites, you know, our parks. Um, we look at uh, street medians, um, all of those large landscapes. That's where we're going to be looking. Um, and then at the individual site level, we work with uh, the account holders, um, the property management companies. Uh, it might be that we're working with the board of directors, if it makes sense in that um, situation. And then, of course, the landscape contractors. Those are all going to be the key stakeholders um, that we're working with. Were, were, were they were the people that you worked with receptive initially off the bat, or were some of them a little, you know, concerned and and, and so forth? Did you mean any resistance? Um, yeah, I I think maybe people. I I, I think it's been really well received. Um, you know, not everyone wants to talk about their water use, um, but when we can bring it up in um, a visual, you know, easy to engage with platform and we can talk about their successes and their wins and where they're doing great and then help them 
you know, fine-tune those areas where there's room for improvement, it makes that a lot more approachable. Um, and so we've really seen the program grow, and we've really spread by word of mouth um, because we've, I think it's been a really well-received program. And so, you know, we might have a property management um, manager at one site, um, you know, and want to bring on board another site that they have in Gilbert because they've been, you know, satisfied with the program. Yeah, that's, it's excellent when you get recommendations, right? When somebody says, hey, let me, you, you should talk to so-and-so about this. So you, you spoke a little bit about, about where targeting the large customer uh, and municipal, you know, pretty much the commercial kind of users rather than residential. Um, and you said municipal and parks and street medians. How about schools and colleges? Do you target those also? Yeah, yeah, we work with schools. Um in fact, we've got the vast majority of uh, the public schools in Gilbert enrolled in this program, and they've been really um, enthusiastic participants. Do you? Let me ask another question. Then, kind of like on the, you know, getting into the trenches, all pun intended. There, Heather, looking at you know what kind of activities. I mean, on your staff, do you have like uh, water auditors and? And, and folks like that who are who are trained in those disciplines and can go out and actually, I mean, you provide data, as you mentioned, but that data is just part of, of uh, some of the tools that are required to actually apply what needs to be done in order to conserve water. So, um, you know, do you have those sorts of folks on the staff there at the town of Gilbert? Yes, we do. Um, we've got a great team here. We have three water conservation specialists, and all of them are experts in irrigation um, from residential to non-residential properties, they go out and they uh, walk the fields with the customers and they'll run the irrigation system and check out the you know distribution uniformity and the efficiency of the system and help our uh, customers make adjustments um, to their watering schedule um, to fit their, fit their plants um, to help them try to water to that budget. Well, your, your, your town must be very uh, proud of all of you for, for getting the award for the Landscape Budget Program. Do, has any other, uh, just a side question, does any other uh, close cities and towns to you uh, share, uh, want, 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 want to learn what you guys have done? Do they, or do you share that information with them so they can kind of do the same thing? Yeah, I think uh, we're very collaborative with our neighboring cities, Um often, you know, sit down with uh, nearby cities, other water conservation coordinators out there um, and share information. Um, and we're seeing, you know, similar programs like this grow um, in the area. Is part of the recommendations that you make um, what, you know, currently, uh, and a lot of our listeners write us about, and I'm looking at the comments coming in right now. So some are asking, you know, what about smart controller technology, things like that, um, flow sensing. Let's see. Let me look down this list here real quick. So I'm, a couple of people asking um, about about uh, soil moisture metering. Um, just a lot of questions coming in. Is that uh, are, are these the types of things that are included in, in the program? Um, well, we always will steer uh, people towards um, using water-efficient technology, and so we may make recommendations for a particular site that a, a particular technology like that may help them. But it's always going to be based on the actual site um, and looking at their landscape water use and looking to see what is going to be able to help them in that situation. 
So do you, you give educational classes to, to your uh, constituents and information about water use efficiency? In yes, person we or, do. So, uh, online or, or how, how does that get transmitted? Yeah. Well, um, typically we've offered it in person. We have had some uh, virtual offerings over the last year and a half. Right. Um, <laughs> these classes are, yeah. are really popular with our residents. Uh, we have non or we have residential classes, and uh, we cover topics from plant selection, where we'll help residents pick out drought tolerant plants, or how to attract pollinators into their garden. Uh, we cover topics like uh, wise watering techniques um, and how to adjust your irrigation controller. Uh, we have classes on drip irrigation design and installation, and then we do even have smart controller programming classes as well to help make those um, seem practical and easy to use for people. Well, you know, as I said earlier, you you know, you you, you should be really proud for what you and your team uh, came up with, and 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 not only just winning the award, but your effort and activities to contributing to help use water more efficiently and conserve. I think that's that's awesome. You guys should be more congratulated than just getting a, a little award. I know you're going to get uh, some more ceremonial issues at the uh, Irrigation Association coming up here in San Diego. And uh, are you are you coming to that? Uh, I will not be attending that, unfortunately. Uh, we wanted to see you in person, get you on the air <laughs> there. But uh, <laughs> anyway, hopefully, I mean, Robin, I don't yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I, I live here in Arizona. Uh, I think you're, you're the other side of Phoenix. I'm at the West Valley. But uh, hopefully someday I get to meet your team and, and congratulate you in person. And, and uh, you know, I'm not, try, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I, I just I, I just like to le- like to meet people who have the passion and the smarts to go do something to help solve some of these issues that we've got going in, in, in the thing. Um, so did, when you started out with the budget, did you guys put together an idea or did you have any idea of, how much water you wanted to save through your program and, and then had you collected all of that and, and maybe you can kind of tell us what was successful about how much was, you know, done to, to make your program very successful. Yeah. So the program started um, long before I came to Gilbert. And as, as the story goes, um, the water conservation specialists that were on board at the time, you know, they were just looking at how much landscape was in Gilbert, and they had, um, from experiential knowledge, uh, they knew that people tended to overwater. Um, and so I think they did some rough calculations of how much uh, landscape was out there, and, well, if this was watered to budget, you know, w- what type of savings might we expect to see? Um, and from there, it just kind of made sense to, to start looking at that for potential savings, and the program just grew from there. Yeah, you've talked a bit about the success you've had with the commercial customers, Heather, but I'm kind of curious on the residential side, right, homeowners, right, the the Mm -hmm. single-family homeowners, the participation level with them, has it it been good? Have you gotten good response? Yeah, we've got great programs with our residential customers. Um, We offer what we call a water efficiency checkup, and it's a free service where a water conservation specialist comes to your home and helps you assess your water use. Um, so a lot of that is looking at the landscape, but they'll, um, our specialists will help the customers isolate leaks and investigate sources of high consumption. So that's normally why we'll get called out there as someone has a uh, spike in their water bill and you know they want to know what's going on. Um, and so our specialists will teach our customers about proper watering. Um, we show them how to work with their irrigation controllers. 
And then we often uh, provide a, a tune-up on their watering schedule to try to get them close to what their budget would be. So when, so when you set the budgets for these locations, how quickly or when do the, the, the facility people or the property owners know how much you're saving? I, I always compare this to getting gas in your car. You go there and you stay and you put the nozzle in, you squeeze the trigger, and you can see instantaneously how much gasoline you're pumping into the car. Uh, what happens with the people from the property thing? Do they wait 30 days or can they get it? Is there a way to get the data quicker or how, how does that work? Yeah, it, it does take about 30 days to see that. So um, that is there is that delay there. But then once we see the data, we can usually uh, quickly access or us sorry quickly assess if something is um, something is off. Well, again, your 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 town really deserved this. I know uh, SWAT's very careful about uh, picking picking winners and giving these awards out. It's not everybody not everybody gets these things. And uh, so you guys put a lot of hard work in it. You should be. I hope, I hope the town is very proud of your you and your team for making this happen. So, we, well, thank, we thank you. That's you very that. kind. That's very kind. And you know, I I just want to point to um, the amazing team that I work with. It's the water conservation specialists that are out there in the field, um, looking at the landscape, recruiting customers, talking with them. It's the great team that builds the great partnership. So uh, definitely yeah. kudos to, to my team. And I, I, myself, along with the town, I think greatly value them. So this has been um, fun to have this program highlighted. Oh, well, we, we think you deserve it. That's kind of what we want to do. Just a, just a, it's not a personal question, but I, I always kind of ask this as a, as a last add-on. Maybe we have a few minutes left. But how does, if, if you can answer the question, I, I don't know, how does the town of, uh, Gilbert, view the future of water. Do you are you are you guys confident that you can you'll have have the quantities you need, or or are you a little worried about what could happen in the future? I mean, how, how what what are, what is some of the insights that that you guys think about? Because you always have to plan you know, for the that, future. You, you want to be you want to be proactive, not reactive, right? Yes, yes, we're always planning for the future, um, and that one of the, the main reasons for our water conservation program. You know, conservation is um, deeply embedded in everything we do here. Um, but, you know, a deeper dive into that question is, is really uh, meant for our water resources manager. And I could definitely connect you with her. I appreciate that. Now, we, we always, we always kind of ask that just to find out where, where, where people are thinking, because I, I really believe, you know, the water that's here is the only water we're going to get. <laughs> It gets used over mm-hmm. and over and over again. There's no more to have. I mean, even even when it rains, it's water that came out of somewhere, uh, you mm-hmm. know. And, and 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 a lot of people don't realize that. And, and as you said earlier, you know, the price of water, people, it's probably the lowest bill that they have in their homes or their properties, uh, unless they got a gigantic HOA that spends you know two million dollars a year on water, you know, for for really big bills. But you know. It, we're we're kind of blessed here in the United States because of the rate of water is so low. We don't really charge the real true value like they do, for example, in Israel or Australia or places like that. And and people don't realize, you know, they they just think they open the faucet and water comes out and it's cheap and they don't think about it. And 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 I think a whole new world of education needs to happen, both from the early elementary schools or kindergarten all the way up, 
because everybody really needs to know what's happening with this. With more people coming, uh, you know, we got to figure out what we're going to do. We need water to live. You know, everybody talking green. Well, green's a good thing, but if you don't have blue, like water, you don't have green. So uh, that's that's the thing we got to look towards for the future. So we, Heather, we are sincerely appreciate you you coming on the show tonight, and uh, I, I I think this will. I hope some of our listeners who are from other water agencies, if they want to get a hold of your organization, can they can they do that and get some more information on your program? Maybe they, you can share it with some of these other 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 cities and towns across the country. Yeah, we we always love to talk about our programs and you know contribute to shared knowledge. Is there a contact number or a website they can go to? Yeah, they can go to um, gilbertaz.gov backslash water. Okay, great. All right, well, again, thank you on behalf of me and Chris, same thing. Uh, We we appreciate you coming on. You were awesome. And uh, someday we'll get to meet and talk more about water. (laughs) That sounds great. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. You have a pleasant evening and most important, stay safe. Thanks. You too. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks. I was interested, Chris, on on their water budget program. I think that's. I think they got the right attitude, the smarts to do it, and they're obviously becoming successful at it, or are successful at it, and that's why that's why they get the award. So I I applaud them uh, greatly. Yeah, it's a great award. You know, I mean, it's something. It's a it's a big deal when the when you're recognized through the Irrigation Association. Uh, landscape water budget, you know, contractors that they work with, they do the site visits, they do all that kind of stuff. No wonder they were recognized. Absolutely. Well, it's time for us to go, and we'll talk to everybody next week. The most important thing that Chris and I want to tell all of you out there is help keep your planet blue. Blue. Absolutely. Or we don't get green. Talk to you next week. Everybody have a great week, and stay safe. CAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, 106.5 FM, and now 102.3 FM.